0: Here is your host, the loudest conservative voice in America fighting the enemies of freedom, Mark Walters. Walter. Walters.
1: Okay, here we go. Round two, Armed American Radio's Daily Defense in the Sig Sauer Studios, brought to you today and every day by X-Insurance. And we are on the Fort Worth Armory mic here at AAR Ranch. Greg down in Dallas, Texas, how are you doing today, my brother? Hour two, you ready to rumble? I am. Let's do it. All right, let's do it. Why don't you start off, tell people where they can watch the program.
2: All right. Well, if you want to watch the show, head on over to armedamericanradio.org. In the top right-hand corner, just click the three little hash marks. You're going to have another window pop open and select that watch live option. Maybe you would rather listen because you're driving or doing something else. We have a listen live option. Just click the link right above that. You'll t- see two subsequent links. One of them will be for the Sunday and the other will be for the Daily Defense link, which is the Monday through Friday show. And I've just been told that it was... Uh, restarted. So if you're having any kind of issues listening to the program that way, you should be good to go now. Uh, if you want to catch up on any prior episode you may have missed, we've got a podcast link. Just head up to the link above, listen live, and you can peruse there and get caught up on any show you may have missed. Uh, if, you wanna, if you're if you a big fan of our show and you'd like to sport some merch, we've got a shop. It's at the bottom of all of these links. So head over there and just check out what's in the store and pick you something up. And lastly, if you'd like to join our chat, we've got one of them as well. Head on over to your app store and grab the Telegram messaging app, create you a profile, and just search for Armed American Radio Conversations. That's how it's done. And we have some big news today that popped.
1: You know, yesterday, Alan Gottlieb, well, he's on the show every Sunday. For the most part, right? Yeah. New Jersey. What a mess New Jersey is. It's been a mess. Oh, I, my gosh. Just a, a brief history on me. My dad moved me to New Jersey, my family to New Jersey, me included, because I'm a member of the family. When I was a sophomore in high school. Now, Greg, I guess when you're a sophomore in high school, that you know you're really not concerned about the politics of an area. And I really wasn't at that age. I was concerned about driving. We lived in Michigan, in Ann Arbor, and I was months away from getting my driver's permit All right. at 15 in Michigan. And when my dad moved us to Jersey, well, lo and behold, I found out the driving age in the Garden State was 17. <sighs> my dad and I didn't get along for a while, <laughs> so I didn't like New Jersey ever. From that point on, and fortunately, my dad, seeing that, it, you know, he knew it was killing me. He moved us to Connecticut the following year, and I got my driver's license and all that good stuff. God bless my dad for doing that. But I've never had an affinity for New Jersey, ever. I've never liked it. And I came from, you know, I was in the late 70s, mid-70s. And I was listening to, you know, my first album that I got was uh, My Woman from Tokyo, Deep Purple. Remember that? Deep Purple stuff? Yeah, I do. Okay. My Woman from Tokyo. Great music. And Led Zeppelin. You know, the original first Led Zeppelin album was one of my first albums, which, by the way, I just bought on vinyl the other day at Best Buy, because in the studio, I actually have a turntable and some really big, tall speakers, just like something you would have had back then. Yep. And there's just something about the sound of that needle hitting that vinyl. (laughs) Before the tunes crank. Oh, it's just raw. Love it. But needless to say, I I got to New Jersey and everybody there was driving around listening to the Rocky tape music. Mm. I'm like, this is culture shock. New Jersey, to me, just was not a place I wanted to be. Well, New Jersey hates your gun rights. And I still don't like New Jersey. I'm sorry, New Jersey residents. But I, you know, if I ever have to drive, I'm just going around you. I don't care what kind of time it takes. I don't like anything about it. Well, New Jersey's governor, Murphy, hates you. He hates your freedoms. He hates your firearms rights. He loves his. He loves being protected by state police guns. He just doesn't want you to be able to do the same thing. And if you remember the show last night, if you don't, we'll, we'll clue you in. Mr. Gottlieb was telling us the first thing we covered with him was a lawsuit in New Jersey. Remember? Mm-hmm. Against the new gun law. U.S. District Judge today, and I'll tell you how this went down. It's fun. I was actually talking with Dr. A.W.R. Hawkins. Dr. Hawkins has a B.A. degree, a master's degree, and a Ph.D. A lot of people don't know that because he's just so down to earth. He doesn't go by doctor. He's just that's how brilliant A.W.R. Hawkins is. And as I was talking with him today about this type of stuff, we're going through the week and we're, we're finding out what's out there. He says, oh, 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 got to go. Alan just won another lawsuit. Now, how do you think I felt about that? Just hearing that big smile, oh, a grin on my face, <laughs> because Alan Gottlieb just knows how to play the game. Here's what happened today. U.S. District Judge Renee Marie Bum, B-U-M-B, granted a temporary restraining order, otherwise known in, in legal circles as a TRO, today against New Jersey's new gun controls barring license concealed carry in sensitive places, quote unquote. Here's what Judge Bum issued in that note, in that ruling, noting this. The state may regulate conduct squarely protected by the Second Amendment only if supported by a historical tradition of firearm regulation. Hmm. Here, plaintiffs have shown that defendants will not be able to demonstrate a history of firearm regulation to support any of the challenged provisions. The deprivation of plaintiff's Second Amendment rights as the holders of valid permits from the state to conceal carry handguns constitutes irreparable injury, and neither the state nor the public has an interest in enforcing unconstitutional laws. Kaboom. Let's go to the old cartoons. Remember Batman and Robin? Remember that back in the day, the original ones? And they'd be in the fights, you know in their dens or in the back cave, and the pow and the zam and the wackos and the booms and the bams would pop up on the screen like cartoons. Remember that? I do. Yeah, we all do from our youth. Most of us do anyway. <laughs> those of us that are still living <laughs> remember those things. That was a long time ago. That is solid. What's important about that? That judge in New Jersey relied on what? The Bruin decision and Thomas's New Deal that the history and the, and the text of the Second Amendment at the time of the nation's founding. And what did Murphy and the AG in New Jersey say last week? We talked about, well, we're confident we can withstand constitutional muster under Beru. no, you can't. And here a New Jersey district court just said, yeah, no, not going to happen. The sensitive places in New Jersey's new law, according to AWR here, include schools, courthouses, childcare centers, nursing homes, polling places, government buildings, hospitals, bars and restaurants where alcohol is served, airports, parks, beaches, demonstrations, movie theaters, casinos and other entertainment centers. And that judge's ruling is just absolutely phenomenal because now the state is on its heels and going to have to defend. We knew this was going to happen. Now, this kind of dovetails with the devil's advocate I was playing, which I'm supposed to do as the host of the show when I have guests on the program. In, In this particular case, I'm referring specifically to the biggest story of the year last year. Bruin, the huge victory in New York, or was it? Could it possibly have been the left's reaction? And I think we've settled on, after a couple weeks of discussing this, that the left's reaction, while it's a huge story, will likely be the biggest story or the precursor to the biggest story of the year 2023. And this cements that, I do believe. I do honestly believe that 12 months from now, Greg, we will be talking about the court victories we've won as a result of the left going absolutely bonker haywire. Because of the Bruin decision and it is rulings like this that lay it out. It's beautiful. So let's read this one more time before we go to the break. The state may regulate conduct squarely protected by the Second Amendment only if supported by a historical tradition of firearm regulation. This judge is referring right at Thomas's ruling in Bruin. Here, plaintiffs have shown that defendants will not be able to demonstrate a history of firearm regulation to support any of the challenged provisions. The deprivation of plaintiffs' Second Amendment rights as the holders of valid permits from the state to conceal carry handguns constitutes irreparable injury and neither the state nor the public has an interest in enforcing unconstitutional laws. Second Amendment Foundation founder Alan Gottlieb commented and said this. This is another example of the important precedent found in language in the U.S. Supreme Court's Bruin ruling last June. Clearly, New Jersey lawmakers have gone too far in crafting a law to get around the high court's decision. Pow. Bam. Zoom. Whack. Boom. Another smackdown by a judge who is actually following Supreme Court verdicts. We'll be back right after this.
3: The Constitution says the right of the people to keep and bear arms shall not be infringed.
1: Daniel Defense advocates for the individual's right to bear arms, which is why they manufacture 100% American-made, high-quality firearms backed with a lifetime warranty. To learn more, visit DanielDefense.com. Welcome back to the show. What a great company Daniel Defense is. Good heavens, I am so looking forward to meeting with Daniel Defense. Greg, take a listen to these meetings. As we sit here in the Sig Sauer studio, now on the Fort Worth Armory, mic, formerly the last hour of the Crossbreed Holsters, mic, all brought by X-Insurance. And the video brought to you by Daniel Defense and Lentzlingers. You know who I'm meeting with beginning Monday? I will be spending all day with Sig Sauer. Awesome. Oh, perfect you, time for at the a team. range event. Yeah, at a range event. It was my daughter sending a text. I just <laughs> uh, muted the volume, which I forgot to do earlier. But I will be at a range event. I will uh, the firepower that I will have in my hands oh. one week from today. It's going to be awesome. Oh, you're envious. Yeah. Trust me. You're envious. I will be firing things that you can't fire every day. And now I'm rifle ready with my gimp left arm <laughs>
5: since the surgery,
1: right? <laughs> you know how I found that out when I was pheasant hunting with X insurance yeah. in Utah just, uh, what, back October, November? Yep, yep. Right, somewhere around there, right before Thanksgiving, if I'm not mistaken. Yep. I was, I was a little bit hesitant. I wasn't sure if my left arm was rifle ready, and lo and behold, it is. So, oh, we're going to have a lot of fun. But that's all day Monday with SIG. And then we have dinner. I'll be meeting with uh, the founder and and, uh, CEO and a couple others from X Insurance while we're there. I will be meeting and you will be hearing, ladies and gentlemen, on the broadcast from Jessica Jarvis at North American Arms. Justin Moon, because car arms, of course, is there. Justin Moon will be here. We'll be meeting with him. I will be at a private party with Daniel Defense on Wednesday night. Oh, good heavens. I know there's a lot of you out there that would like to be me next week. Because I'm telling you right now, that's the one thing about SHOT that I love. Is getting together with all of these amazing people and doing and seeing some amazing things. That you can't, you can do it all at one place there, right? Plus, we get to bring two hours of live radio. Now, just to let you know, we're not changing the show. Greg, you need to know this. We're not changing anything about the show. We're just doing the regular show from the remote location there. Fair enough? Yeah, absolutely. We don't sit here and play inside baseball with you, listeners. It's impossible to do that. You don't care about all of the stuff that we're talking about and seeing that's centric to the show when you're not there. That's not what we're doing. We're bringing you regular Armed American Radio. We're just doing it. From there, And we'll be able to talk to a a number of our guests who you've heard on the show before because they happen to be there. AWR will be with me all four days. So there's that. So we'll get that rare daytime appearance from Dr. Hawkins. So a lot of fun. A lot of fun is going to be had while we're out there. And where am I going to go now? You want to go to another court case? Uh, Let's do it. Let's go. Actually, you were discussing during the break background checks yes you've never been a fan of course no and we all know that because i don't believe i say this facetiously humorously but not still serious i don't think paul revere had to pass a background check to carry his pistols or a rifle before he went on his ride no he didn't and if he crossed state lines like through new jersey Uh, He didn't have to stop and disassemble his firearm and put it in a saddlebag lest he be arrested and jailed in New Jersey. That didn't happen. He didn't have to get a background check. Now, this is coming from the National Rifle Association, but not really. They're just reporting it. The reason I selected this one to bring it to you is because the National Rifle Association today laid this out really well in layman's terms. So let me quote some of this from the Institute for Legislative Action. It explains a little bit about what we're talking about, but in easy to follow detail, the Biden White House has, for the most part, worked hand in glove with gun control advocacy groups toward their shared goals of civilian disarmament. But I don't think we disagree on that at all. Right. Correct. You remember the Sutherland Springs church attack in twenty seventeen. Stephen Williford has been on the program with me. I've met him many times. He is a great guy. I will likely see him next week. He is the individual with his own AR-15 that stopped that attack and saved an additional 30 lives, not only at the church, but at a subsequent location where this guy was likely moving towards when Stephen Wilford took him out. But a lawsuit against the government, follow me here now, by survivors of the Sutherland Springs attack in 2017, is putting a strain on this harmonious relationship and causing embarrassment to all concerned. Why? Because defending the suit is forcing the United States government, ladies and gentlemen, to admit what the ILA, Institute for Legislative Action, is calling an inconvenient truth. Love that. That's a swipe at that idiot Al Gore. (laughs) About the limitations of gun control. And I'm going to quote now, Biden and company face a tough choice, pony up more than two hundred and thirty million dollars to the survivors or appeal the current judgment against the government and incur the wrath of its usual allies by truthfully admitting the top priority of gun controllers doesn't stop violent criminals. We're talking about background checks here. So let's go into a little bit of detail. This one can be a little confusing because of the way these are worded. And that's what I liked about this, this ILA. It explains it. The crimes in question were committed by a former member of the Air Force. This is the guy who shot up the church, Greg, in Texas. Remember? Yes. Who was convicted years ago under a general court-martial for domestic violence in November of 2012. Hmm. So the killer in Sutherland Springs had a domestic violence charge and a conviction. Lautenberg. court martial in 2012, five years, ladies and gentlemen, before he attacked the church at Sutherland Springs. Here's the kicker, the disposition, that charge, that conviction in that court martial was never reported by the Air Force to the Nix instant criminal criminal background check system, Greg. Mm-hmm. And what is that system? For those of you who might be new to the show, that's the system. That's your background check. That's the form 4473 that you fill out. When you purchase a gun from a federally licensed dealer in all 50 states, including at gun shows. It's that report that has to be queried, quote, when a person purchases a firearm through an FFL, federally licensed dealer. The Sutherland Springs perpetrator acquired the firearms he used in those crimes from FFLs in multiple purchases between 2012 and 2017. The last purchase, ladies and gentlemen, occurred one month prior to his attack in 2017. So how does this all tie together? Where's the government involved? What does this have to do with the background checks? We're going to take a break, and when we come back, I'll explain exactly what's going on. It can be a little tough to piece together, so we'll walk through it. But I want you to hear this because it's quite fascinating because the government is actually almost arguing against itself here. And we'll, we'll put it together for you. It will be easy to understand by the time we're finished. And I think you'll find it, like I did, fascinating. And I'm actually, Greg, surprised that this isn't getting more airplay. Well, actually, I'm not. Let me Let me rephrase that. There's no way the mainstream media wants to cover this because it outs their own agenda. As being a gun grabber agenda, something that they've denied. When we come back, I'll explain it in greater detail. And like me, I think you'll find it fascinating. Armed American Radio's Daily Defense in the Six Hour Studios on this Fort Worth Armory microphone, all brought by X Insurance. We'll be back right after this. The following segment of Armed American Radio is being brought to you by Defender Coffee. When you drink Defender Coffee, you're making a donation to a gun rights organization of your choice that protects and defends your freedoms. Welcome back to the show. Ah, Welcome back indeed. Mark Walters filling your prescription for freedom here at Armed American Radio Ranch. AAR Ranch, as we call it, it sits down by the crick in the holler at the ranch. And there really is a crick right down there in the holler. And a big tree I got to take down there by the creek because it's just making me a little bit nervous down there. Swaying when the winds get heavy. Probably take that thing out. All of it on the Fort Worth Armory. Mike, in the second hour of the broadcast today and presented to you today and every day by X Insurance. Hey, Greg, real quick, very true story about X Insurance. All right. Today, my mother and father have a home in Florida. Sure. And they live in Naples. And, of course, Naples had a lot of flood damage from the last hurricane. Fort Myers was completely wiped out. Guess who's, because their insurance was canceled, guess who's writing them a policy? X-Insurance. Uh, X-Insurance yep. X does it all, ladies and gentlemen. This is not a third-party gimmicky deal. This is insurance with a real insurance company that will cover your valuables, your freedom, your toys, your businesses, an event, whatever it is you want, no matter how high risk it is. Talk to X-Insurance. They will cover you. And they will cover your use of a firearm or any other tool to defend yourself. True umbrella policies. And guess what? Those policies are legal in all 50 states. Imagine that. Why? Because it's insurance written by an A.M. Best A-rated insurance company. Not fly-by-night, third-party stuff. It's the real deal. Make sure to check them out. My own family uses it. I have it. You can have it as well. Xinsurance.com You can visit them through ArmedAmericanRadio.com We take you right smack to the page you need to look at. We've done the work for you to get the conversation started, just as my father did, directly today. So, proud of that. Xinsurance.com. Check them out. Now, let's go back to Texas. This is interesting. So, I'm going to ask you to walk with me here a little bit. We're talking about the Sutherland Springs shooting in 2017. The individual who perpetrated that shooting had a conviction under a general court-martial of domestic violence charges in November 2012. That was five years before he walked in and murdered at the Sutherland Springs Church. That was stopped by Stephen Williford, the individual with his own AR-15. But let's quote the left. You don't need an AR-15 to defend yourself. Get yourself a shotgun. Walk out on your front porch and fire two blasts up in the air. That's your dementia-addled president that told you that, by the way. Idiot comes to mind. That disposition, though, of that court-martial conviction for domestic violence was never, by the Air Force, reported to the NICS system. And you know what? That's what also happened with the Virginia Tech killer, We Cho. It also happened in Charleston and others. We're talking about background checks here, so keep that in mind. The Sutherland Springs perpetrator acquired his firearms that he used in his crimes from federal firearms licensees by passing background checks and bought those guns over a five-year period between 2012 and 2017. The latest purchase occurred one month before he committed his crimes. Now, the plaintiffs in the civil suit, who are survivors of the Sutherland Springs church shooting, claimed that the court-martial made the perp federally prohibited from acquiring or possessing firearms and should have been reported by the Air Force to Nix, therefore doing what? blocking any subsequent attempt by him to acquire any firearms from an FFL. Greg, right? Yeah. Go there. Absolutely. Talk about that briefly for a second.
2: Yeah. This is uh, should have been like a misdemeanor Luttenberg charge that they would have reported, and that would have restricted his uh, his p- potential to purchase. And, you know, it's interesting. This, uh, this kind of falls in the category of, you know, should we even be limiting someone's uh, Second Amendment rights due to a misdemeanor charge? Uh, and I've, I've, I've kind of heard that scuttlebutt gone around in a few uh, articles I've read by, I believe, Scalia. But I could be wrong on remembering that. I've, it's been so long since I've read that. Uh, but, yeah, it's, um, it's interesting here. We've got one federal agency not talking to another federal agency. And then you have people falling through the cracks, it appears. Yeah. Now, that's spot on. So let's just take what Greg just said.
1: Remember, we're talking about background checks. And let's continue. Because the suit is brought by the the survivors who are claiming that the government, in this case, the Air Force, blew it by not reporting those crimes under Nix, which would have precluded him from getting any firearm from an FFL. Do you know what the government's argument is because the government is being sued? <laughs> oh, the no. government's failure to do so, by the way, ladies and gentlemen, according to the survivors, quoting violated a legal duty and care of. A legal duty of care and resulted in the deaths of their family members and loved ones. In other words, you didn't report this. He couldn't have bought those guns. That's what they're saying. He would have been denied. (laughs) Take a listen to what the government is arguing. Quote, the perpetrator was aware of many avenues for obtaining firearms without going through a background check. (laughs) And was determined to commit his premeditated crime, thus the government insisted the background check system's failure to stop the sales could not be considered a legal cause of harm, because under the circumstances, the perpetrator would still have found a way to get a gun and go through with his plans, even if the FFL sales had been denied. Well, lo and behold <laughs> I was expecting a sigh from Greg, not outright laughter. You can't make this garbage up. (laughs) (laughs) This is job security for yours truly. (laughs) Now, if you read some of the legal ease, which I've done, it's very hard to explain what's happening. The ILA really did a great job in laying this out for us in layman's terms. The government itself is saying background checks don't work. Yes, that's why I'm laughing. <laughs> <laughs> now, like I said, I would have, ex- I was expecting to get this from Greg, <gasps> and I would have said, "There's the sigh." Yeah. <laughs> Instead, I got outright laughter. Now, why is the government, in this case, the Biden administration, arguing this? For what reason? They don't want to pay $230 million. Now, it's not their money. Mm. Now, the Democrats, it's our money. There's the side. <laughs> but the Democrat <laughs> Oh, I'm telling you, it, it really truly is. Their stupidity, I don't even think they realize. They talk themselves in, they get themselves so backed into a corner. That it's impossible to come out of it. Now, what they'll do is they'll just no longer answer questions. I'm sorry. Because I would love to see KJB ask about this. (laughs) Yes. All right. As they're pushing for more gun control, as Biden releases the world's number one arms dealer, while they're trying to come after your right to bear arms and use the AFT to do it, who, by the way, was just squashed, as we discussed yesterday, in the bump stock case. (laughs) Because it was ruled by Fifth Circuit in a 13 to 3 decision just a few days ago that the ATF does not have the authority to that. Re, that's Congress, not the AFT, as Joe Biden calls it. Was he? he calls it the AFT? I think, the Greg? AFT. What does he call it? For the AFT. What does he call the people that work for them? AFT agents. AFT agents. So we're right by by referring to them as the AFT because our dementia adult president does the same thing so we can do the same thing well, we're not making we're not just calling him he actually says that that's we're a, quoting. that's that's him we're quoting him okay so I, I mean just astonishing the government also asserted that would not have been foreseeable from the evidence of the perpetrator's domestic violence that he was a risk for the mass shooting he actually committed <laughs> <laughs> oh, really man. <laughs> OK, so what are they trying to do? They're seeking every avenue they can through their relationships with America's professional gun prohibitionist lobby to add everybody they can to the NICS check to keep people from purchasing handguns. And in the same breath, they're arguing that the background check system doesn't work anyway because he still would have gotten his guns, which we've been saying for a decade and a half on this program. And they even went further and said, essentially Well, just because he got convicted in a court martial of domestic violence, it doesn't really show that he was at risk for committing a mass shooting. Thus, so the argument went, the government could not be held responsible for that outcome when it failed to act on that information. You just can't make this stuff up. There it is for you, laid out in black and white. So good, by the way, that Greg laughed out loud instead of sighing.
4: This segment of Armed American Radio's Daily Defense is being brought to you by Daniel Defense. Visit DanielDefense.com. Now, back to the show.
1: All right, here we are. I hate to say this because I'm having more fun than I should be having today on a Monday, which are usually long days, but there's just, wow, Uh, this stuff we're talking about today here in the six-hour Studios on this Fort Worth Armory mic, presented to you today and every day by X Insurance and all of our fine partners, is just too much fun to talk about. Greg, what is the one thing, the one thing they all tell us we have to have because it's a start and it's common sense gun safety measure that will save lives? We hear this from every Democrat on Earth. Biden would sum it up in one word, universal background checks. Yeah which they've just told us in a court of law, I wouldn't have stopped anything. He was hell-bent on getting his guns. He doesn't have to get them from the dealer. Oh.
2: It's almost you like, mean like every other criminal that we've been telling you about for the last decade and a half? They've taken a line from you. It's like criminals don't pay attention to laws. So do would have gotten it anyways.
1: To, he would have gotten his guns anyway.
2: <laughs> but we have to have this.
1: We have to have this. Uh, now, let's move to Illinois. Because there's a lot of stupidity there too. Take a listen to this. Again, they know not what they do. They get caught up in their nonsense. Why? Why is it? Why do they do Because it's easy to when you've got the media pushing you, when they're they're the wind behind your sails. You can believe everything. The Democrats believe their nonsense because they get away with it and believe everybody thinks that way because they see it on TV all the time. And so they keep it up. Illinois Senate president seeks to remove key component to state's proposed assault weapons ban. What would that be? That would be the grandfather clause. This is coming direct out of Chicago, ABC7, and you'll sense the same stupidity that we just heard from the government before, albeit here, from Illinois. And in this case, not really that, but the gun grabbers themselves. and Well, the gun grabber Democrats in Illinois. An historic gun bill that would ban assault weapons in Illinois is running into trouble in the Senate Sunday night, just yesterday. An amendment filed by the Senate president is now causing backlash in the House and the governor's office. How can that possibly be? Oh, And, you know, I'm getting a phone call from the news chick, and I think you know who that might be, and she likely doesn't know that I'm on the air right now. Mm. I'll talk to her after the show. Yeah, she used to read the news over at Salem in between the breaks. okay. Val. Yeah. Great stuff. We love Val. All right. An amendment filed by the Senate president now causing backlash in the House and the governor's office. What are the changes that the Senate is, this one individual, Senate President Don Harmon, has filed an amendment to the assault weapons bill, which, by the way, passed in the Illinois House Friday morning, if I'm not mistaken. And it moves to remove the language that would require you as a gun owner, a current gun owner of an assault weapon, to report that gun to the state police, the serial numbers of that firearm, that you would be allowed to keep. Think about that. We're going to let you keep your product that you've owned lawfully for years. We're going to let you keep it. The amendment removes language that would require you, a current owner, of what they deem to be an assault weapon, to report it to the state police. So, see, the new bill says that's what you have to do. You have to report whatever you own to the state police, the serial numbers. Give it to law enforcement. Why? That's called registration, ladies and gentlemen. Registration is a precursor to confiscation every single time. Now, what is the backlash from some of the House Democrats in this particular case? Not just the House Democrat, but I'm going to go to Lauren Harper. She's the Illinois legislative representative lead for Moms Demand Action, which is a really silly name, too, when you think about it. Here's what she said. Frankly, the amendment is taking away the real teeth to the bill. So she's admitting to you that the real teeth to the bill is registering the guns in current existence. Remember, well, I don't want to get ahead of myself. It's too fun. We'll go there in a second. She claims the real teeth to the bill is registering your gun so they know what you have, who you are, where you live, and what you own so they can what? Why do they need that information? So they can do whatever they want. Eventually, yes, that's exactly what they want to do. When they add in, because remember, these bills, ladies and gentlemen, what are they called? Just a start, right? Every single time. Frankly, the amendment is taking away the real teeth to the bill. So, an assault weapons ban that has no way of being enforced isn't really going to do very much. What is she alluding to? Enforce what? Requiring you, part of their enforcement is requiring you to tell the state police what you have. So the state police have a record of it. That is enforcement. That's part of the enforcement that they're looking for. The move also prompted harsh criticism from House Speaker Chris Welch, who helped the bill clear the house early Friday. So it was Friday morning with his own amendments. And he said this because he's a tough guy, Democrat. I will not accept a watered down version of legislation that falls unacceptably short of the comprehensive solutions that the people of this state deserve. And here's what he said they deserve. A real assault weapons ban, one that has a real accounting of the weapons currently in circulation. And the current version of the Senate bill fails to do that, he said. It falls short. That was Pritzker that said that, by the way, the governor. The governor said, and I quote, the people of this state deserve a real assault weapons ban, one that has a real accounting of the weapons currently in circulation, and the current version of the Senate falls short. I don't believe we're going to water it down, Harmon said. This is a critical issue that the governor of the House and the Senate Democrats all agree on. We just want to make sure the bill we put on the governor's desk is the best possible. Hmm. Now, what is it that they say they don't want to do? Take your take your guns. And they commented in here. Nobody wants to take your guns. We just want safety and accountability. Hmm. This is what they do every single time they open their mouths. Let's go back to that statement from Moms Demand Action. Lauren Harper, the Illinois legislative lead, who basically paraphrasing said, if they don't know where your guns are, then this bill is worthless. That telegraphs to me everything I need to hear and everything you already know that this is just a start. It's just a start. What's the finish? Particularly in Illinois. They oh. want to rid Illinois of your right to keep the guns that you currently own and purchase lawfully by demonizing them as assault weapons, registering them first. Why first and not confiscation in the same bill? Because they don't want you to know what it is. They're going to come for that second. Just like Rhode Island. Nope, we don't like your magazines. Turn them all in. Or be a felon overnight. Punishable by $5,000 and up to five years in the state penitentiary Because of what you currently own and have owned for decades. It's just one small step, ladies and gentlemen, towards their ultimate goal of confiscating your firearms and ending firearms ownership in this country. But we saw from the court case today in Jersey with the judge in New Jersey, it's an uphill climb. And we will be victorious. That will wind up being the biggest story of the year. Are all of these efforts that fall flat on their face? They make it too easy for us. I'm sorry we have to wrap up. I could keep going and going and going. But we're gonna get up and do it again tomorrow because they don't want us to. Until then, carry on, carry off, and carry absolutely everywhere. Never leave your cave without your club. No self-respecting caveman would ever have done that. Enjoy the rest of your day and we will see you on the radio.